husband and I are more than grateful to everyone at Wesley Financial Group. You know, thanks to Chuck and his team, we feel as though a weight has been lifted and we can move on without the worry of a troublesome timeshare. Whether you owe ten dollars to $250,000 on your timeshare, it's my mission to get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off your back permanently. And we proudly hold an A-plus rating with our Better Business Bureau. Want to learn more about getting rid of your troublesome timeshare? Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free consultation. Call 800-279-1414. That's 800-279-1414. 800-279-1414. Dr. Sebastian Gorka has some words to live by. You do not apologize for being on the side of truth. You do not apologize for standing up to your Christian values. They'll get out the hammer. They'll get out the pile driver. And then they'll try and take you down finally. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The Answer and on Radio.com. This is AM 1420. The Answer. WHK W273DG Cleveland, a service of Salem Media. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Hey, everybody. What a week, huh? Anyway, this is the first time I've ever uh, broadcast from my house. (laughs) Uh, Due to the uh, virus and all that stuff, they've kind of cut me off. So uh, bear with me today. Anyway, I thought I'd get get us started with some, uh, you know, things to make us positive. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that matters. The road to success and the road to failure are almost exactly the same. Success usually comes to those who are too busy looking for it. To be looking for it, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, we're live show again today, and and the the number is 888-281-1110. Uh, my good friend Andrew, uh, our great technician at uh, WHK, will hopefully be sending those uh, calls to us. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, <laughs> it could be a little shaky. Anyway, um, if you want any of the materials we talk about, or would like to have a, a cup of coffee. Uh, well, I don't think we can have a cup of coffee for a couple of weeks or would like to talk to me on the phone. Most of the information you need, you just go to WHK 1420 AM and uh, you go to their local podcast down to Tim Hayes' uh, Smart Investor Show, and, and my webpage is right there. You go right to it. So, uh, by the way, last week we had an all-time record. Uh, it actually kind of jammed my webpage. We had 83 people show up on my web page on Saturday, which was great, I think. Uh, and I would highly suggest, you know, we have Bob Dickey. He's one of the best technicians on the planet. Sometimes when you look at charts, you can understand a little bit better, all right? You know, the, the market's this huge thing. Okay, and the bond markets are huge things. The oil market was huge. It's not so much huge anymore. Uh, the point is, is sometimes when you see things, you will understand better. Bob's on there every day. We also have a daily uh, newsletter, you know, that type of thing. So uh, don't forget. If you also, you know, look, this is a bad time to be selling stocks. 
I talked about the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Credit access lines right now make a whole lot of sense. Global income ideas. Oh, boy, we got a lot of them. I mean, there's probably about 50 names on this page. Uh, it's a long, long uh, email, though, so don't forget. I've had several business uh, friends of mine who are planning to transition their business. We have not only uh, have the ability to help you sell the business, but we have the ability to help you go through step-by-step step, uh, the, to the transition planning, uh, you know, that type of thing. We do have a new newsletter out for uh, April. It's uh, tax refunds, spend or save, keeping cool, investment strategy versus reaction, and Social Security may offer a lifetime of protection, and how long should you keep your financial records? Oh, boy. So, anyway, um, I lost, I lost my, my other uh, information, so I'm going to have to go strictly straight into our stuff today. You know, last week, I'm just going to review what we said, okay? Because I think it, you know, people were bearish. Oh, my gosh, I haven't seen anybody bearish, that bearish in my life. Uh, I, I had guys that were quite rational and great people and, and friends of mine. They've become friends of mine who I do business with who uh, wanted out. And, um, you know, I, I thought we were okay Friday. And then, you know, uh, what happens, we sold off uh, because uh, the Speaker of the House came home and said she was on vacation during a crisis. She was on vacation. I guess it was her birthday. I don't know how old she is. I think she's in her 80s, uh, 70s maybe. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and she came home and said, this ain't going to happen. <laughs> and the market sold off another 500. I thought we were, were down. Then Monday, I noticed that we were still down, but we had the semiconductors were up. The restaurants were up. The biotechs were up. And some of the healthcare stocks were up. And, and some of the names like Pepsi and Procter & Gamble were up. But the market was down. That's usually when things are starting to turn. But I said this. The risk was a month ago. The market has wrung the risk out of it. I said, when all the news is bad, it's time for you to get, you know, uh, you know more bullish, okay? And... You know, I mentioned that the bullish percent, the bullish percent on Monday morning got to three. In my career, I have never seen that before. The high-low index got to six. I've never seen that before. All right. Uh, <laughs> the 10-week, uh, you know, with the 10-week moving average got to three or two, I guess it was. I've never seen that before. The S&P 500 broke its uptrend line. And by the way, on a monthly chart, it would have shown that it broke down and rallied back above that line. It would be called an undercut, which is not necessarily negative, okay? Um, anyway, the dollar went from 94.5 to 101 in three weeks. I mean, this is all stuff that we've never seen before. So, you know, the advanced decline line got the, you know, down to places where we've bottomed numerous times. And, you know, I, I talked about your plan, you know, how, how you, everybody thinks it's a straight line up. And I said, in reality, there's a bunch of holes, potholes, and, you know, there's a lake that you've got to swim across. And there's, a, you know, uh, there's all sorts of things, bridges that are out, you know. And uh, so, anyway, we talked about that. And, and now I think, um, look, you know, everybody was telling me Bitcoin was the thing to own. And I said it was gold. Now, this isn't just him speaking. This is a lot of people speaking, okay? And gold held up much better than Bitcoin. Bitcoin was down almost 60%. Gold held in there. Now, they sold it off 
Thursday and Friday of last week uh, because they didn't have anything else to sell. You know, it was liquidity that mattered at that point. So, uh, look, I, I think in the next couple of years, this is Tim's humble opinion, that chasing the S&P 500 may not work. And I'll say that again. Chasing the S&P 500, I don't think is going to work. So let's talk to people that <laughs> are higher in the pay scale than I am. Let's, let's talk about Lori Calcivina, uh, who's our head strategist and has done a great job here. She said, the big thing to know, though we expect the S&P to be higher this year, uh, price target's down quite a bit from where it was, she remains unconvinced that the U.S. equity markets have seen its absolute lows for the year. She thinks the recent price action in the S&P continues to travel down the path that the stock market took you know, back in September and October of 2008. So that may be the case, okay? Uh, stocks are trading like it's 2008, uh, not 2009 when we bottomed. Remember, the VIX or the fear index bottomed in 2008 or topped up out in 2008. But the market didn't start to advance until March 3rd, 2009. So she said retail investors still haven't gotten bearish enough, which is true. Um, but there are a lot of bearish investors out there. So... Uh, there we go. We'll just leave that uh, for now. Okay. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, how did we get here? Where are we going? Okay. Uh, I also want to put the decline in perspective and, and is there a silver lining? So let's talk about that. You know, how do we get here? Well, first of all, we had high valuations in the S&P 500. You know, I said there'd be a melt up in October and then we had this big melt up and, uh, um, you know, it was my opinion that, uh, you know, we, we had a problem um, back in February, and I, I you know, I, I actually told some of my clients to, to sell Apple and Microsoft, and, uh, but I thought it was interesting last week, there's a guy named Larry Williams, and he's a, he's a really good chartist, and uh, he said on Friday, he said, I'm not going to buy toilet paper, I'm going to buy stocks, which I thought was kind of interesting, an interesting, uh, t- you know, comment, but then we had the oil price shock, and, you know, we also, we had high valuations, then we had the coronavirus, then we had Bernie Sanders step in and, and start winning some uh, primaries, and that was, you know, that's, that's a death knell for the stock market. And then the oil price shock, our friends in Russia and, and Saudi Arabia. But w- one of the things that was a problem was the valuations. We were at almost 19.2 times earnings, and now we're at 14.2. Uh, <laughs> and we did that in a month. So uh, the valuations have come back in line. Oil prices are back to where they were. In 2001, you know, all the way, all the way dating back to, to 2000 uh, or 1983. So uh, the Commodity Research Bureau Index has had not very many good days uh, since 2008. And I think that's because we're not putting out CDOs that much anymore. Uh, they were multiplying money. Uh, you know, they were making the Fed's uh, loosening of the monetary policy much, much more important. Uh, so anyway, uh, look, if you look at the post post-war bear markets uh, in the S&P 500. You know, there's drops anywhere from 19.4%, you know, which occurred in 2011 and then 1998. And then, um, uh, you know, we had uh, the one just recently in 2018. Uh, You know, so we've had a lot of them. And and it's taken anywhere from 1,290 days to recover to 88. No, 60, I think, was the low. So um, there we go. Now, um, there was a lot of days that were we had plus one to two percent moves out there too. So, 
you know, we've, we've had 13 so far, or 18, I guess, so far in 2020, but we had 20 in 2018. So um, in 2011, we had 35, 2010, 22, in 2009, 55, in 2008, 72. So uh, it's, it's not a, a um, you know, uh, a record, shall we say. The biggest declines, you know, ranked in 1987, we had a one-day decline of 20, 20%. Uh, in 2008, we had a one-day decline of 8.9%. Uh, you know, so it's been between that range. As far as biggest day increases, which we just had a 9.38% increase last week on Tuesday, uh, we, in 1933, we had a 16% uh, return in one day. So the question is, what happens, you know, going forward? And the top biggest 23 declines since 1927, what's happened, uh, you know, is we've had some pretty big moves up. The other thing, the fear gauge got to 85.5 this time. Uh, I think the peak in, in 2008 was 89.5. So uh, what's interesting is it still hasn't come down very, very much. So there we go. Look, I think, uh, you know, if you look at the COVID peak, I, you know, I think the market bottoms at the top of the – so it, it'll – It'll bottom before the peak, in, in Tim's opinion, and, you know, our opinion, I should say, RBC's opinion. So, uh, you know, uh, look, I think, you know, if quantitative easing, if you look at the S&P returns before a quantitative easing announcement, there's only been a couple, it hasn't been that great. I think we've had a couple down 40%, you know, and a couple up 11s, you know, and nothing. But it's the return afterwards. So the first QE, the return... Uh, after 24 months was 39%. It was 29% after six, or 12 months. Then it was 18% after QE2 and 5.3. And then uh, QE3, it was 15% after 24 months and 36 after not, uh, tw- uh, 12. And then the average has been 24 and 23. So when they do this, it's usually a good sign, okay? So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Now, also, uh, you know, our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the uh, dynamic asset level investing, so let's just go over that again. They're talking about long-term duration in the treasuries, uh, capitalization-weighted stocks right now versus equal weight, uh, domestic equities, large-cap growth is still leading the way, mid-cap growth is second, and then small-cap growth. And then in the different sectors, it's technology and healthcare now is number two. Now, we've been, t- we've been on healthcare since it was the last one in the thing, and we run pretty hard. And communication services also. Um, and then of all the currencies, the U.S. dollar, if you were long the U.S. dollar in the last couple of weeks, you're looking awfully, awfully good, okay? So, uh, I mean, to the point where, wow. <laughs> you know, it was, it was probably the biggest monthly move in the dollar. By the way, the British pound went nuts last week. I mean, the biggest move I've ever seen in a currency, and that, I mean, it was up 7 8% in, in a week. Uh, also, precious metals is the best commodity. Energy's dead last for obvious reasons. And international equities, uh, we don't even talk about them because really, they're, you know, they have uh, not failed. The, uh, they failed kind of the test here. So, uh, you know, it's something to think about. Uh, you know, we've had some things go, you know, well, and we've had some things go wrong. So I, I guess the question is, where do we go from here? And, you know, that is the, uh, the key. Um, now, Look, I, I also think we, we do have some stuff, uh, you know, where they uh, – we have Lori Calcivina, uh, our head strategist, and uh, another young lady discuss what's going on here. So there we go. But I also think that, you know, f- 
Mr. Powell, uh, the Fed chairman, has done an outstanding job. I mean, it, you know, everything is on the table, is what he said. Uh, he's thrown in the kitchen sink. So, but Thursday morning, uh, he, Jerry Powell was on, and he said that the U.S. Com- economy could be in a uh, recession, but the uh, the novel coronavirus will dictate its timetable, and the first order of business will get to get the spread of the virus under control and then resume economic activity. He said that he expects output to decline quite significantly in the second quarter and added that central bank's job is to ensure businesses have access to support so the economy can have a quick recovery where credit is flowing. So I think that's important, and uh, he's on the ball. I mean, uh, you know, people gave him a hard time in 2018, and maybe they should have, but he was, you know, uh, a new chairman at that point. So I think, you know, what you have to start to think about is, you know, where do we go from here? And that's what's important. And uh, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, I was I was going to try to get this going. Uh, well, let me let me see if I can. Uh, <laughs> my machine's a little bit slow while I'm at home here, folks. But anyway, um, once again, like we said, this is a live show. So if you've got a question, it's eight eight eight. Two eight one 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 zero. That's eight 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 two eight one 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 zero. So, uh, well, let's just put it this way. I think what we've seen is at least a first low. Okay. So the second thing we have to look for is the turn. All right, let's see here. Uh, well, there, there's the thing. I'll, I'll come back with this. Uh, I was going to talk about going to extremes, so um, we'll, we'll be right back. Moody River, more deadly than the famous night. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and I believe we have uh, either Phil or Philip on the line. Yeah, good Philip, you there? Yeah, how can are you? you? Hear me? Uh, well, yes, I can, sir. Hey, uh, um, <laughs> one of the get my thoughts on the um, this two trillion plus bailout, and my question is, you know, who's going to pay for this? Because you know. The debt we have right now is astronomical, and add that to the personal debt that people have. You know, how is this all going to shake out when it comes time to pay the piper? That's a good question, uh, Philip, and uh, <clears throat> I don't have an answer for you, but uh, you know, because I'm not running Congress. But <clears throat> it's a Tim Hayes's personal opinion that we have a spending problem, you know, uh, not a taxation problem. Number one. Number two, you know, capitalism works most of the time, but sometimes it needs help. And I think right at the moment it needs help. The, uh, the prob- that's the problem with capitalism. Uh, that, that's the bad news. The good news is it works better than all the other isms there is, you know. Uh, you know, totalitarianism doesn't work very well. China is uh, proving that. Uh, and also uh, socialism doesn't work, maybe with the exception of Sweden, uh, and most of the other countries that are involved have proven that. So 
it, it's, uh, you know, communism, I don't know if there's a pure strain of that anywhere, but, you know, the point is, is that in most cases, I mean, just look at this bill. Do you know how much pork was added to that bill at the last minute? It's Quite a just, bit. It's sickening. Yeah, it's sickening. So you got a point there, Philip, but I don't know who's going to pay for it right at the moment, but I'm sure we're all going to pay for it somewhere down the line. Yeah, my other concern is that um, a lot of these small businesses, some of these small businesses, I should say, just aren't going to survive if this drags out for a long period of time. And I'm afraid that the average consumer is going to be very skittish about making any big purchases or jumping back into the economy in a significant way. Instead, they're going to worry about the next time this is going to happen and they're probably going to up their savings rates looking or preparing for another rainy day, which may dampen down the recovery. Well, the savings rate is extremely high right now. That's why there's no you know, rise in interest rates, You know, because there's so much money trying to find a decent rate of return, Philip that, you know, they're buying bonds because they're scared to death of the stock market, which probably means that the stock market's, you know, going higher over, over time, okay? But uh, that's, everybody's trying to buy CDs, everybody's trying to buy bonds. Uh, the amount of money that's gone into bonds and to, into the money market in the last uh, month is a perfect example. So I don't, I don't think interest rates are going up for a pretty long time because the savings rate is so high now. Uh, so, you know, will it get worse? It could. Uh, I guess we'll know one those for sure. Well, I appreciate your insight. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. All right, sir. Have a great day. W- once again, uh, if you have a question, all right, see ya. If you have a question you want to uh, call in, it's 888-281-1110. That's 888-281-1110. You know, uh, <clears throat> like I said, Larry Williams, who's a pretty smart guy, basically said, uh, I'm not going to buy toilet paper. I'm going to buy stocks. And, I, I think I think he's right, and, and what I've been trying to do here is um, um, look at, at scenarios where, you know, the, the positive side and the negative side, okay? So, look, we did break support, uh, which is not good, but, you know, we, we came right down to the potential downside. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think that what we're looking at here is a scenario where, uh, you know, it, we, the market went down farther than I thought it was going to be, you know, so that's, that's something that uh, uh, is a problem, obviously. But I also think that, you know, there's lots of short-term indicators that are reversing from bearish extremes. And uh, now, Marty Pring, Pring put out an article this week uh, that I thought was pretty good, and, and he talked about it, and he said, look, um, some of the indicators started to watch, you know, started to flash some uh, buy signals, and some of them were like the 10-day, and day, uh, 10 and 20-day moving average of the McClellan volume oscillator, uh, which, which turned back up from a, you know, a big oversold. But you got to remember that, you know, the, the bullish percent was at 3 on Monday, and uh, it ain't at 3 anymore. So I think you got to uh, be careful a little bit. But, you know, the bullish percent, um, I haven't seen it go took three before ever, all right? Uh, so it went from three and bounced up. I mean, it was, uh, I think in 2009, it might have been a little bit lower. I don't, I, I don't think so, though. I, I can't remember, but I, I don't remember uh, it being that oversold. But also, if you look at the Dow Diffusion Indicator, which is one of Marty's, uh, Marty Pring's uh, big uh, things, 
you know, it got to minus 26. I haven't seen it there, but maybe, let's see, uh, once, twice, maybe three times in the last 20 years. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're down. And then, uh, you know, one of the signs of improving technical position, I think, is when the index being monitored falls to a new low, but the number of stocks does not, okay? So the, the high-low index doesn't go any lower. And, you know, that's what we saw on Monday. We saw Intel up three bucks. We saw uh, a lot of the uh, restaurants up. We saw a lot of the biotechs up. Matter of fact, I bought some biotechs uh, that day. I bought, you know, I bought Intel last week for those people. I, I bought a little early, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, so, you know, those are things. Now, look, you can also make uh, a case that speaks for further downside. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, look, you know, if, if you look at things, almost everything was moving in tandem. You know, we had stocks, bonds, and currencies all moving up at the same time, and, th and then the, the index fell down, and gold and bonds were the only two that went up. So crude oil, I don't think, is even on the charts anymore. The, you know, the, what surprised me was the U.S. dollar. Uh, you know, we went from almost 95 uh, on, the, on the charts up to, uh, you know, 100 and 103, 104 almost, you know. And for a currency to move that much in a month is amazing. The other thing is, and, and what, you know, worries me a little bit is the bond market has not sold off. It sold off for a short period of time, a couple of days, and then rallied right back up. So, uh, I don't know, you, you look at some of these things and you look at what, what happened to oil. I mean, oil stocks are literally down 50% in the month of March. Uh, you know, ExxonMobil from 69 to 32 was the lowest. You know, it's, uh, stuff like that, it just, you don't see very often. So, um, you know, oil right now, I think, is a falling knife type scenario. You know, do you feel lucky enough to catch it in the handle? <laughs> uh, you know, gold. You know, look, everybody told me that Bitcoin was the way to go, and I said, I don't think so. And Bitcoin was down 60%, and I stayed with my gold stocks. And, it, um, you know, guys like Goldman Sachs and, and, a, and our gold analysts think that gold started a bull market. So it'll be interesting to see uh, because, I, I mean, the number of contracts that were sold on Bitcoin, mining Bitcoin, down 60% was amazing. So uh, we'll see what happens there, too. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, um, when you have a rally like this, uh, you know, we, we went from 3 to 40 on the bullish percent. We're probably coming back, all right? So, uh, you know, don't, don't run out and buy stocks. You know, I told you to buy last week, and, and uh, you had Monday to buy, and I've been talking about buying for the last couple of weeks. The VIX went up to 85, pulled back to 55, but close the week at 65 and some change. So it does look like we're going to go up and test uh, one more time. And uh, also, if you look at the Fibonacci retracement, it's very important levels, you know, at 38.2 and 50%. If you don't know who Fibonacci is, you should. He was a great uh, Italian mathematician who studied the markets. And uh, so, you know, we, we have had that rally, and, uh, and so it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know... It's a very difficult uh, scenario, I think, uh, you know, if, if we look at some of these things. Uh, uh, hold on. I'm having a bit of a hard time, so bear with me here. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, so what we're looking at, I think, is uh, is a scenario where um, you know you're you're probably going to see some. Uh, you know, we're going to test the low again. Okay, so. But I think we have some signs of an internal low. This is Tim Hayes' opinion, along with some of my uh, compadres like Bob D Dickey, our head strategist, and Rob Schleimer over at Fundstrat. But you know, we're seeing evidence that the market internals have reached, you know, they reached extremes. Uh, I've never seen. I mean, some people say we got, uh, depending on who you talk to, five on the bullish percent. Uh, I saw it hit three uh, Monday. So, uh, but remember. Markets are a process. They are not a single event. So the chances of coming back, you know, the, you know with, with the extreme selling position that we were in last week, then rallying up for three days and it being over are probably slim to none, okay? So I think what you want to look at, uh, a couple things. Um, you know, semiconductors came, were in an uptrend. They came right to the downtrend line, actually broke it, and then turned. Uh, I also saw tankers for some reason bottomed. So the retracement does fit Fibonacci scales, so it's it's good. And I, um, you know, I think you know we're probably uh, you know look when the quadrant balance indicator, uh, what we call the monthly quadrant balance oscillator, measures less than ten. Usually that's a good sign you're at a bottom. The question is, will the bottom hold? And that's that's the the big big thing here. And I think most people, uh, I mean, the advanced decline lines are trending lower. Uh, you know, nothing really looks that good on the charts. I, you know, I do the charts every day and um, I'm doing them in literally in the margin of the uh, yellow pad that I have. So, but look, so far, I think, you know, we have a, 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 vol a volatility peak. Now, will that be the peak in the market? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but look, you know, we, we mentioned in February that, you know, the bullish percent turned down. You might want to raise some cash. I talked to people about Apple and Microsoft and it was amazing. Uh, it worked. Uh, but the, the key is, is that gold's held up very, very well. So, uh, and it still is, that's something to pay very close attention to. Uh, oil still looks like it's heading South, but semiconductors, that's a group that looks like it wants to rally. So. Uh, they may be leading us. Also, some of the industrials seem that way too. Uh, the banks are a little bit farther behind, and healthcare looks like it wants to lead. So, you know, uh, that's an area where I think you really want to take a look at. Look, I think, uh, you know, biotechs have got a pretty bad rap for the last four or five years. You know, uh, a cure for the coronavirus might bring them back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the bullish percent. Okay, everybody, we're back. A little Creedence Clearwater Revival for us to start off the show. All right, so, um, you know, I was looking at things, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the bullish percent here, uh, you know, which is one of our main risk guides. And uh, this week it got down to three and then turned around very quickly. But I also noticed the bullish percent for oil got to two. <laughs> and it did reverse back up into a column of X's, uh, and it's at 10 now. And I also noticed that Exxon, which is so far below its uptrend line that it scares me, uh, it did break a double top just recently at 37. So, um, 
Now, here's the interesting thing is that we had 20 additional sectors on their, on their bullish percent charts reverse up into a column of X's after Tuesday's close. So that, that's a big number. But, you know, uh, look, we went from three on the bullish percent. Oh, well, let's talk about the bullish percent before I get there. The bullish percent is simply a chart that goes from zero to 100. And we have two key areas. One is 70, which when we get over that, that's the red zone. That's when things are too hot to handle. That's when you should be frightened. Okay, we are at 63.9 back on February 1st when the bullish percent turned down. And, that, and then when we get below 30, that's when everybody's crying in their beer and, and everything's oversold, and that's when you should be greedy. Now, uh, we got greedy a little bit early, and it's simply because some things happened that I wasn't expecting, like the oil deal. We were 25 when the oil deal hit. So, um, you know, and I think they just spit in, in Mr. Uh, Trump's eye, which I, I, I can't understand why he's not pulling the troops out of Saudi Arabia right now. But anyway, the point is, uh, so when we're in a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. When we're in a column of O's, we have the defensive team on the field. And believe it or not, we've had the defensive team on the field for about a month. Uh, usually it takes longer than that, and uh, so this is a very fast sell-off. But so we, we closed uh, Monday, or no, Monday morning at 10 o'clock, we were at 3 on the bullish percent. We closed Friday at 38. It's a big move, Okay. You over the counter index, which was, I think, uh, you know, I don't know, I got the six or seven, uh, it closed at 35. The world index, which was uh, basically at uh, eight or nine, closed at 20.8, up 11%. So uh, we have the offensive team on the field, but remember, we're probably going to go back and test that low. Uh, I can't remember ever a decline of this magnitude where we didn't test the low, okay? So... Uh, look, we, we, we had the bullish, uh, we had a notable week, okay? The bullish percent reversed back up into a column of O's. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we had some things, big positives, like the over-the-counter, et cetera. But despite the bullish uh, percent reversals, all the major positive trend indicators remain in a column of O's. So, uh, you know, what we're saying is, is some of the longer-term indicators have not turned up yet. So all major 10-week indicators remained unchanged, things like that. So, you know, that's not what you really want. Uh, now, I looked at the dynamic asset level investing. And by the way, our friends at Dorsey Wright do provide us with uh, the, uh, the bullish percent in the dynamic asset level investing. They're great guys. Uh, but, you know, on the 20th, cash went to the top uh, – asset class, and fixed income, then currencies, and that's because of the dollar, by the way, the big move in the dollar, and then domestic equities, uh, and then commodities and international equities are dead last. So that was a big change. Uh, but we did see a move to, like I said, 38. Um, it's almost, I think it might have hit 40 Friday. I, I, I didn't see the final outcome or the movement on Friday because we couldn't get into Dorsey's page because it was uh, overloaded, shall we say. Uh, so where does that leave us? Well, on the surface, the, the bullish percent is on the offense with a decent field position around 40. However, the reversals up from these levels, with, with, it was an explosive move and from a washed-out level and provides evidence that we have seen net demand come back into the market. With that said, the damage has been done to the longer-term indicators like positive trend charts and dolly, etc. So while we're seeing reversals up from the lows, 
These should be seen as rallies within the confines of, of a, a negative trend at this point until we see higher lows, okay? So many stocks and indexes are very oversold with respect to their trading bands. Um, you know, if you look at Bollinger Bands, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. So they have room to rally in the near term. However, the fact that we are seeing defensive asset classes holding the top two spots in, in dynamic asset level investing and trends maintaining a negative position, uh, about 92% of the S&P stocks are in negative trends, just to give you an idea. Rally swing lease levels should be treated as shorter-term opportunities. Now, we, d we still have negative momentum in the Dow, believe it or not, as of Thursday. Same with all the, I mean, it's in the uh, emerging markets, it's 10 weeks. In the, uh, in the, in the more sophisticated markets, it's eight weeks. Uh, the the, the mid-caps, 10 weeks. Small caps, 12. Uh, you know, so we're seeing some stuff here that we haven't seen before. The, um, the S&P and, and the QQQs and the XLGs have only been negative momentum for six weeks. So they're the ones that held up the best. It'll be interesting to see how they go forward. Um, but it was, you know, I mean, it wasn't a great week. Uh, the S&P did break a double top at 250, uh, 2,500, I'm sorry. So that was a positive uh, after breaking their support line, okay? Now, on a weekly chart, that, was, that would be negative. On the monthly chart, I think it, it broke down and then rallied back above. So it depends on, you know, which one's more important, and I'm not sure. But, look, I looked at some of the overbought, oversold readings uh, still, you know, as of Thursday, okay? And we're still 100% oversold on the QQQs and, and some of these other ones. So, you know, you're probably not going to see, um, you know, a, you know, a huge move from here. I think we'll either go sideways or go down. Hopefully, we'll make a higher low. Okay, that's important. If demand comes in at a higher level, that's the sign of a bottom. Like I said, bottoms are not an event. They're a process. So keep that in mind. We did have a lot of groups uh, reverse to X's. Or, you know, uh, so they've, they've turned around. However, uh, remember last week, we, I think we were at 10 on all the bullish percents for the groups. We're now at 23.4. Uh, we do have four sectors that are uh, above or that are favored. Software is at 30. The Internet is at uh, 24. Electric products uh, are at 24. And electric utilities are at 14 to 18%. So... Um, I, I, we have several things that are in bull alert status, but they're not bull confirmed. So these are ones to pay attention to, but, you know, you buy them at your own risk. Uh, aerospace, auto parts, biogenetics, uh, building materials, business products, chemicals, computers, drugs, electronics, utilities, finance, food and beverage, uh, forest paper products, gaming, utilities, gas, uh, finance, uh, Healthcare, household goods, bull, uh, internet, insurance, I mean, just millions of them. So uh, the point is, is that uh, we did see uh, quite a few changes in the charts. So, you know, we had a bunch of stuff that were totally unfavored, but oil service stocks picked up, financials, uh, chemicals, gas utilities, forested paper products, and leisure. They're still unfavored, but they've moved up a little bit. In the average group, it's transportation, business, food, biogenetics, retail, gaming, and restaurants, and then favored our Internet and software. So uh, they're going right back to where they came from is what it comes down to. So, look, 
I looked at the international equities, and you know, uh, I, I think I think hope returned back to domestic equity front uh, with broad markets closing the green for three straight days. Okay, uh, interestingly enough, the China has has continued to outscore the broader U.S. index groups, and that interesting. Uh, so, you know, ch- China looking better than uh, uh, the U.S. and uh, so. The, the, I think the key here is that, uh, you know, th- they have been creeping up slowly but surely. So, uh, but, you know, China went from basically 36 to 80 very, very quickly. Uh, so they're a little bit overbought, probably have to pull back a little bit. As far as fixed income is concerned, you know, the volatility in the Treasury market has been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, the 10-year Treasury note volatility is up at 16, which is a very high number for them. Uh, once again, I'll talk about high yields. We're at a 10 and three-quarter yield spread as of Thursday on high-yield bonds. Um, you know, if you're going to take a risk in high yield, that's a pretty good place to go. All of the commodity indexes are negative for the week. Uh, you know, gold's held up better, but oil and gas uh, and, and the general commodities are in trouble, I think, you know, for now. Relative strength, I got so many buy signals and, and so many sell signals. So I'll just go over a couple ASA Limited, the gold company, Biogen, this is on the buy side, 8x8, Assure Software, Gilead Sciences, HealthStream, um, let's see here, uh, Echo Global, IIVI, Milan, Netflix, uh, Oracle, LogMeIn, Ironwood uh, Pharmaceuticals, Cena, um, let's see, Spartan Nash, UPS, uh, Web Co-Holdings, Assembly Biosciences, uh, and also Shutterstock. On the sell side, oh, by the way, uh, iRhythm, uh, which is another company in the uh, healthcare area. I have uh, still another four or five pages of sell signals <laughs> and, uh, and relative strength sales. So there's so many of them, I, I can't, I'm not going to have time. But some of the bigger ones are Clean Harbors, uh, Deck, Deckers Outdoor, um, Encore Capital Group, Jeez, uh, there's, there's too many of them. Fidelity National, lots of them. Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with Insiders. I think you'll enjoy that part. Uh, i got a couple pieces of information you'll, you'll like. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. It, you know, if you'd like to get or you'd like to talk about your portfolio, whatever, uh, you know, you go to WHK fourteen twenty and go to the local podcast down there. It goes Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show, and my webpage is right there. It all has all sorts of email me's and and um, contact me uh, type of stuff. So we'd be glad to. Unfortunately, uh, having coffee is, you know, what's one of my favorite things to do with uh, uh, new people. It ain't happening right at the moment. So <laughs> uh, sorry about that, but that's the way it goes. Um, so somebody asked me last week, you know, Tim, why should we go to your webpage? And I said, look, Bob Dickey publishes there every day. Well, most every day. Sometimes he's on vacation. But Bob for 18 straight days before anything happened in the market, he was talking about being careful. Okay, uh, I don't, I don't know if he was, he was thinking about being this careful. Uh, I think he was looking at weekly charts, and the weekly charts looked like an eight to ten, maybe 12 percent correction, 
where the monthly charts, we were, we were way overboard. Um, so I think what we have, you know, was an overbought market, well, an overpriced market on the S&P 500 stocks. And, uh, you know, but for 18 days in a row, he was talking about oil. He was talking, you know, gold, gold looks like it's shining again. All the stuff I talk about on the show. So if you're wondering why you should go to that webpage, that's why. But if you also want to have a talk about your portfolio or like, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the dividend growth portfolios and some of the other stuff that we uh, provide, that's why. So anyway, we talk about insiders every week. And, uh, you know, this week we had a whole bunch of them. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, I'm just going to go over it. Uh, First of all, we have Prospect Capital. Uh, John Barry, who's the chief executive office officer, bought pretty close to $45 million worth of stock. And then uh, also uh, PBF Energy. Uh, you know, these guys have been buying for a while now. We had uh, in, in uh, Vessora Carso SA, which is an uh, international uh, money manager, bought another $6, 7000000 million worth of stock. Uh, they also they bought their pipeline too, uh, PBFX. So that that's a big one. Also, uh, NGM Pharmaceuticals. We had uh, those guys bought, uh, you know, probably there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, ten people uh, buy between one point five million and two point one million. So th- that's a pretty big numbers. Uh, and then uh, Jack Schuler. Uh, it's very smart money, and he bought a company called Accelerated Diagnostics. Now, he's never paid over 18 for it. He's paid, I mean, he bought some at 3 and 4. But these guys have some interesting products, and he bought it twice, not just once. He bought $1.1 million, then another million right around the $8 level. So uh, he now owns, you know, pretty close to, I don't know, 13 million shares, 14 million shares. And also uh, the chairman and president of U-Haul, Ed Schoen, uh, he bought $1.1 million worth. A couple other names that I thought were kind of interesting uh, uh, what were uh, Charlie Mormon. Uh, is a director at Oracle. He bought just a hair under a million dollars worth. And uh, so that that's uh, interesting. HDS Supply, as you may recall, last week they bought a ton of it. Uh, uh, Lauren Taylor Wolf. She bought uh, four or five million dollars worth. Well, she she bought again this week. She bought nine hundred seventy thousand, and then she bought another. Uh, where is it? Uh, I'm sorry, they were all last week. So uh, she bought another nine hundred seventy. So, but she bought about five six thousand uh, million dollars worth. So you always like seeing that. Uh, some other things I saw. Uh, you know, uh, Cassie Farm uh, Pharmaceuticals. You remember uh, Wei Wu He, uh, who is it? Large owner, 10%. He's also chairman. He bought some more stock. at He bought about uh, $300,000 worth, or $600,000 worth, I'm sorry. Uh, remember, he was buying just two weeks ago and with a number of people buying in that company. So he's buying more, which I think is really kind of interesting. Um, another thing, uh, Matthew Zen uh, from GM. He's an executive vice president, uh, bought a bunch of stock. I haven't seen anybody buy GM for a long time. Uh, by the way, I'm sorry. Mr. Uh, Mr. He bought a million dollars worth this week of uh, Cassie Pharmaceuticals, low, low price stock. So I did see uh, a couple things. Number one, uh, the Auger Fund put out a piece this week that said that small caps have had the largest insider buying spree in history. In history. Okay? 27% higher 
than at any other time in the history of insider buying, which is significant when you think about it. It's the Russell 2000 stocks where people were buying the most. Uh, I have seen the most insider purchases I've ever seen, so there we go. But we did have a couple names. Uh, Michael Dell, uh, who, you know, is pretty smart money. <laughs> Michael Dell bought a ton of Dell computer this week. He, uh, he bought uh, 4 or $5 million worth, uh, and then he bought another $9 million worth. So uh, here he is, you know, his namesake, he's buying into it. You like to see that, too. Um, and then I, I, I've just seen so many hundred to five hundred thousand uh, dollar buys. Uh, it's it's almost mind boggling. So uh, you know, just uh, remember that when you when you when you think back, um, and you're wondering, you know, they were buying before us. But uh, you know, Mr. Dell bought. No, I'm sorry. I I think he bought twelve million, then nine million, then five million. So I don't know what that totals up to, but it's a it's a lot. So, um, you know, I was looking at things, and, and uh, once again, some people asked me, uh, you know, where do we go from here? Um, and, and, you know, it, it, this is not going to be easy, I don't think. But, look, I, I think that um, we broke the downtrend line uh, dating back uh, to the original sell-off from, 29, you know, what, 29.3 or 29.4 in the Dow. That's a positive. Uh, and a normal market uh, would, you know, once it bounces, it gives back about half of what, you know, uh, you know, if it's if it's going to hold. That is, uh, it gives back about half of what uh, you know you're expecting. Okay, so I would think a move somewhere between twenty thousand and twenty one thousand would probably be uh, something that you have to, uh, uh, you know, pay pretty close attention to, and uh, I guess you know. Look, you got to remember that the market moves first. So, you know, look, there's this is a black swan event that caused the market to move in a very dramatic fashion, which is what we have experienced recently. Now, the, the virus has affected so many things that the market has made its adjustments. And even though the crisis has not peaked in most areas of North America, the market also knows this and has moved accordingly. So we think the bad news, at least I do anyway, is already reflected in the market. Remember last week I was talking when all the news is bad. Okay, uh, and suddenly the market p takes off. So the volatility in the market will remain high, I think, over the near term. Uh, but as the end of the ice crisis comes into the view, I think what you'll see is uh, you know a little bit better trading action on that. So uh, you know if you look ahead, you know uh, I think Bob Dickey you know talked about the semiconductors this week, and you know. Uh, I, I think, look, uh, the semiconductors are probably one of the best-looking groups that I, I can see next to healthcare, And so, you, you know, you get the current headlines that are capturing everybody's attention and no, normal fear and bearish expectations, all right? I think Monday was a typical bottoming action simply because the semiconductors were up, all right? So they were one of the lead groups, and, uh, you know, the, I think the challenge going forward is to which groups will lead, I, I think it'll be concentrated in tech, healthcare, and industrials. That's Tim Hayes' personal opinion. Now, uh, you know, look, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't seen any patterns, but, you know, one of the things that Bob Dickey talked about uh, last week was that we had this huge, huge downtrend. And usually when you have these broadening downtrends, the bounces back are pretty significant. 
And if you break over the old resistance, which we did, uh, it's very positive. And now we got to go back and test that resistance because now it becomes support. And I think you have to be uh, paying very close attention to that, okay? Uh, but, you know, I, you know, whether we, we're going to test that is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, and I think it's very important. I, I think if we hold, you know, uh, 20,000 would be in really great shape because that's where the, the real downtrend line started, you know, the second week of March or the first week of March, I guess it was. Um, but we broke above that. So that if that line holds, we're in really good shape. So what would you do now? Okay, now everybody's bearish, everybody's in bonds, everybody's uh, worried, but I think what you want to be looking at uh, is a couple of things. And like I said, uh, don't be selling stocks now. I think a credit line is a much smarter idea. I also think income ideas, so the prime income list, the dividend growth portfolio. I mean, some of these things have huge dividends. Whether they're going to be cut, I'm not sure, but I, I think they are. But if uh, our global best income ideas are really good too. I, for those of you guys who have businesses uh, and you're looking to sell them, uh, believe me, private equity will give you nothing for them. <laughs> and uh, there are people that will, will give you better uh, results. Also, uh, there's some good business planning, tr uh, uh, transition planning that we have uh, that we can send to you. So those can all be had at WHK 1420 AM. You just go to the local podcast down to Tim Hayes and Smart Investor Show. Just hit the contact me or email me. Uh, and if you want to have a conversation, you know, give me a call, whatever, uh, or just fill out the, the form and I'll, I'll get back to you. I didn't get back to many people last week, and I apologize uh, due to volatility. I had to put you back a little bit. Uh, I'll be contacting you this week. So my, my apologies, but uh, sometimes uh, things get a little bit hairy, you know. Uh, in the meantime... Don't get depressed. It ain't the end of the world. Uh, be positive. You know, when it, it's very difficult, but when it, when everyone else have their eyes down, keep your eyes up. Okay. Be positive. It's going to be. Uh, I think things are. There's a rainbow out there someplace. So, in the meantime, this is uh, Tim Hayes of the Smart Investor Show. Uh, it's a rainy night, a rainy day in in Ohio, but have a great weekend, and don't forget. Buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.